the Game Nashville Studios, presented by Wholesale Inc. Mount Juliet. It's time to take you behind the scenes in Smashville. That's across, he scores! This is the Preds' official podcast with Thomas Willis and Brooks Bratton. Powerful blow from back of the net. On Smashville's best sports talk. ESPN. 102.5 The Game. Our golden episode of the Preds official podcast on ESPN 102.5 The Game, number 50, number 50 of the show. Thanks to all who have listened and tuning in to this one. Not only is it our 50th episode, we get to celebrate somewhat the unofficial end of summer and the official beginning of hockey season. That's right, Thomas Willis. <laughs> did, did I do a good job, Brooks? <laughs> I'm Brooks Pratt of NashvillePredators.com. Uh, this guy's back from the beach. How was it? You know, um... Only the traditional burning of a redhead, despite hats and sunscreen and a swim shirt yeah. as a grown man, I think pretty successful. Only the traditional is, I think you can be happy with that. Yeah, anything like, more than that, it's right. a problem. But what right. you expect... Anything less than what I got is probably impossible, I guess yeah. is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah uh, my now nine-month-old daughter, as of today, oh, yeah. single tear... Um, we thought maybe she'd learn, hey, eat the sand one time, don't. She really <laughs> likes the saltiness of seawater. So, um, Who doesn't? Yeah, so shout out to my mom for the idea of putting her in a laundry basket on the beach so then the water could kind of go through it and she could get the beach experience because we could not prevent her from eating sand the entire week. Kids, you eat sand, you're getting put in a laundry basket. <laughs> she, she had a good first vacation. So, yeah, all around a successful trip. Good. Happy to be back. You got sunburned. We came back. We stuffed our faces with garlic bread and... Life is good. Yes, we certainly did. We certainly did. All right, let's talk about what's coming up on the hockey front. As I mentioned, it's time to get back in the groove, get the 2019-20 season underway I mean, as soon is, as this coming weekend. As we record this, this is our last week for a very long time without some form of Predators hockey. Yeah, yeah, it, it truly is crazy. So the hockey that you will see on the ice in Nashville, again, the week Following this episode is the NHL Prospect Showcase, mm -hmm. where the Carolina Hurricanes, Washington Capitals, and Tampa Bay Lightning will send their top prospects to Nashville, specifically the Ford Ice Center in Antioch, to compete in a tournament to see some of the up-and-coming stars and then some guys that you know will carve out a variety of roles within the Predators system, likely, whether that's in Milwaukee, whether that's with their junior teams, whether that's even competing in the big training camp which will follow the NHL training camp, that is. Um, we will see. But again, all those games available to stream, to watch. Tickets are on sale for that, especially if you are a season ticket citizen. Really cool. So the Preds hosted this in 2014 to mm -hmm. open Antioch. Technically had a modified version of it a couple years ago when the original one, there was a hurricane coming to hurricane Florida. Hurricane Irma, so, yeah. So Tampa kind of retreated up to Nashville, <laughs> and they just played each other a few times. Florida, Florida was like, nah, we good, yeah. and Tampa was like, we're going to evacuate, come to Nashville. Exactly. We'll see you at the Red Lobster in Antioch <laughs> for the NHL Prospect Showcase. But again, uh, so Carolina is the newer addition yeah. to this tournament. So Carolina, our counterpart Michael Smith, hosted, yeah, I mentioned that hosted, for a reason. hosted the Canes cast, which yes. they just did their 101st episode. we got a long way to go to catch them. Yeah. But he said, year. he was like, what's the winner? Like, between us and Carolina. Yeah, like, he was like, is there a trophy for this? Because they've been playing in the Traverse City tournament, yeah. which I think eight teams participated yeah. in that. And I was like, oh, this one's a little bit more laid back. I will bet you a basket of Cheddar Bay Biscuits <laughs> from the Antioch Red Lobster. Which, if you go, they're free. The stakes are pretty high. So, 
That's but you where we're can at right now. you can buy them too if you want. So I guess I'm asking you, Preds fans, bring a little extra amount of the passion when the Preds play the Hurricanes. We yeah. need those victories. We need it. We need. I want my free Cheddar <laughs> Bay biscuits for free. Yeah, fair enough. What else should fans look for? Um, at that prospect showcase coming up next weekend. Well, so, and, and we got a question on this, so we'll touch on it more a little bit later in the show as well. Um, but some big names that are going to be there, and I would say that our, Nashville has arguably the strongest lineup. I think I've seen three out of four lineups so far mm-hmm. from the teams that are coming. And the Predators have five players in their lineup that have played in the National Hockey League before. That is Ellie Tolvanen, Dante Fabro. Anthony Richard, Rem Pitlick, and Alex Carrier. Hmm. All five have played in the NHL before. I don't know that there's many other teams even bringing guys with NHL experience. So not that uh, not that the Preds are trying to stack things up and, Might as and well crush win. everyone. But, Might as well win. Um, when you're hosting, you know, why not? But no, so so those are certainly guys that, especially for them, and I, I would say that Fabro is a lock to make this mm-hmm. opening night roster. I think he's the only one out of those five that I mentioned to be able to do that. So for the other four, this is a moment for them that I feel like, okay, if you really think you're an NHL player, then you should really be standing out in some of these games. And we've seen it before. Remember our first year, you mentioned opening it Mm -hmm. in 2014. Philip Forsberg and Colton Sissons, both guys who played in that showcase. Mm -hmm. And it took Colton a little bit longer to become an NHL regular. But Philip along with a guy like David Pasternak, who was here with Boston at the mm-hmm. time, you could look at them and say easily, John- Jonathan Drouin was a, a prospect with Tampa Bay at the time as well. You looked at guys like that and were like, they are clearly the best guys yes. here. Yes, they and are. I, and that's what you want to see out of your guys here, like an Ellie Tolvin, like a Rem Pitt, like a Dante Fabro. You want to say, yeah, it, it, the the most the, the hockey executive and even the most casual of fans who will be there, they need to pass the eye test for everyone. Say yes, these guys are unequivocally the best guys on the ice. I think that's what you want to see. And from some of the guys who maybe aren't as big of names, but still, guys, we mentioned uh, Carrier and Richard with NHL experience. Frederick Allard, Yakov Trenin, two more names that we've mentioned a lot over the last few years who've been in this system. Igor Afanasiev who crushed it at development camp. Jeremy Davies, a highly touted prospect for the Predators. Those are some more guys that I think you'd like to see a lot from. And this is really the best way to see it, too. In development camp, you can have all the practices, all the scrimmages you want until you're in an actual game setting with players on on another team who are have been judged to be at the same skill level as you. That's really who you want to test yourselves against at this point in time. So you really get that compete level up. It's a good way to enter the season for a lot of these guys. They'll stick around for training camp with the Preds as well. It's really a good marker mm-hmm. at, at this juncture, not only of the season, but at this juncture of their career to see where they are against everyone else. If you're an Ellie Tolvanen or a Rim Pitlick, make the Preds have to make a difficult decision when it comes to training camp. Be the best player. Stand out. Drive possession. Drive plays. Be that best player every step of the way, like you just talked about with Philip Forsberg five years ago. The expectation is Dante Fabro will do that. Ellie Tolvanen did not do that last year. So is this the year where he's grown, matured, where he's feeling better about his game, is able to deliver some more conversion, put some more pucks in the net, and then set yourself up for success with this first step, follow that into training camp, follow that into the preseason. And then here's the thing. 
the Preds want to win no matter what. So sure I don't do. care what the contract status is. If Ellie Tolvanen plays to the point where he deserves to be on this roster, he's going to be on the roster. And you'll make whatever the reoccurring or corresponding moves that you know have to occur because of that. That being said, though, he has a pretty big hurdle to overcome because of the NHL contracts that they've got, because of the fact that there's probably 15 forwards that need to be cut down to 13. But yeah, he didn't do it last year. Can he do it this year? And like you said, Dante Favreau should head and shoulders be above or be one of the best players on the ice. Again, he's a defenseman. He's not going to score seven goals in this tournament, but it should almost look easy to him. Just like you said, even to the casual fan, you should be able to say, oh, look how he did that breakout pass, kept the puck into the blue line, easily defended that play. Not to belittle it, but this should be this should be child's play in a sense for Dante Fabro. And, and don't forget for those other guys trying to make the roster, or, you know, make their name known a little bit more. The Peter Laviolettes, the coaches will be there too, so they won't mm-hmm. be behind well, the, watching from above. They will yeah. be watching from above, so it never hurts, never hurts to score a goal when you know when Lavi's watching you play hockey. So yeah, we saw it years ago with Philip Forsberg. Do we see it with one of those other bigger names? It'd be great. It'd be a great problem to have. And it's a good situation, too, for the Milwaukee Admirals coaching staff. Head coach Carl Taylor, assistant Scott Ford, and Greg Rallo. Those are the guys that are behind the bench for rookie camp. Um, And so they really are able to get a good look at a lot of the players. A lot of these guys, like you said, it's a numbers game. There simply won't be room for them on the NHL roster. A lot of them will start the season with Milwaukee. So this is a really good way for those coaches to get a good look at who they have maybe start some of those line combinations, some of those defensive pairings early, get a good look at uh, what they've got in the basket there heading down to Milwaukee as well. So the rookie camp opens Thursday, September 5th, and then back-to-back practice Thursday and Friday at Centennial Sportsplex. The games are Saturday, Sunday, and Tuesday. Go to nationalbrothers.com for more about how you can watch and where you can see those games. Again, four teams participating should be a lot of fun. Up next, let's recap the summer months of Smashville. It's been more eventful when you... (laughs) Then you think when you put it all down on paper and begin to talk about it. That's next on the Presidential Podcast on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Welcome back to the Predators official podcast here on ESPN 102.5 The Game, streaming on the Game Nashville app and wherever you find this, your favorite podcast. Episode 50, Brooks Bratton and Thomas Willis back alongside no guest this week. Is this the first show that we haven't had a guest? I think so. I think it is. Because what? I think we've come close before and we're yeah. like, these guests are not panning out. And then we get one at the last <laughs> second. What a way to celebrate episode 50. Yeah. You're stuck with us all four seconds. We wanted to talk in all four seconds. Yeah. Well, the longer I typed everything out, I'm like, we've got enough to talk about. It, it impressed me. I mean, again, I'm pretty close to it. So are you. Yeah. And then you add up all the things that did happen this summer and you're like, oh yeah, that did happen. A lot that Again, happened we're kissing summer. summer goodbye. We're moving on to the 1920 season. Let's roll through these pretty quickly. Talk about a yeah, few the of 1920 them. seasons, eh? <laughs> the roaring 20s. We're almost there. <laughs> um, yeah, so several personnel moves on the ice, several off the ice moves from the new scoreboard to Florida Center Bellevue to mm-hmm. the new lease. Several different things happened. Yeah. Maybe pick a few of your favorite moments or the most significant moments that occurred these past, I guess, what, three, four months of the offseason? Yeah, a lot of things happened. So uh, May 3rd, the Preds Foundation, which they somehow manage year <laughs> after year to up the total, which is amazing. $675,962 distributed this year. A new record for the foundation. 
145 grants to Nashville and Middle Tennessee-based community service and charitable organizations. Um, the foundation, I think, is something maybe we don't mention enough on the show, but mm-hmm. they do fantastic work. And so that's always really cool to see. Um, that was a good way to start off the summer uh, right there. And then shortly after that, the lease... Yeah. proposal huge comes about which is huge it's a huge deal we talked a lot about it uh back in may when it first came down and then in june when it was officially approved but the predators are good for the next 30 years in bridgestone mm-hmm. arena that's huge with arguably one of the most city government taxpayer friendly leases yeah. in the in the nation relieves taxpayers of financial responsibility for bridgestone arena and immediately has allowed Bridgestone Arena and the Preds to take on their own capital investments and do their own initiatives, a.k.a. one of them, the first one being the scoreboard. Yep. Yeah. For me, I think the three things that defined last season, now that the Predators are a championship-level team, they're a team that has been to the final, obviously two years ago, and thinks that they should be able to compete for a Stanley Cup. When you don't, when you fall short, when you lose in the playoffs, as they did in the first round, it immediately becomes, how do we fix those problems? How do we improve? Because getting the second or the third round even, that's not good enough anymore. It's either win it all or it's a failure. And so because of that, you know, last season, you can argue about whether you saw it coming or whether the first round was an upset or, you know, all those things. Still, I would argue winning the division was a significant accomplishment. Uh, But losing to the Stars in the way that they did, I think it left the Preds with three things that they wanted to fix this offseason. And we'll see the merits or the success of those changes in this coming season. But I think you have to feel at least good about the fact that they addressed these three things and made changes. The first one would be Kyle Turris. What what are they going to do with him? What what is he going to be on this roster? What's his long-term future? So May 26th, he goes to the World Championships, captains Canada, and looks pretty good. Maybe has found his game uh, again. Um, that's at least the hope. Of course, the bigger ice surface there allows you more time to make plays, but really put together a stellar tournament and gives you confidence that maybe Kyle Turris has gone back to being the player that the Predators traded for, I guess, what, 18 months ago or so. And he and Dante Fabro win silver medals there at the yes. World Championship. Yes, so a good tournament for them. The second thing, of course, is the power play, which finished at the league's worst mark and probably cost them in that first round of the playoffs. They hired Dan Lambert, who comes in from the Spokane Chiefs for the WHL, who they were crazy good on the power play there, like 30-plus percent. The best power play, yeah, in the regular season and the postseason. So he's shown a skill there. Again, I mentioned he was an assistant with the Buffalo Sabres a few years ago. So they get a new coach, a new voice, a new strategy, a new approach to the power play. So I think that's something that they know that they want to fix. And then the third thing would be just this whole balance between defense and offense and how do we approach the game and how do we fit into Peter Laviolette's system and it seems like they finally got the guy that they've wanted for maybe two three four maybe even more years in Matt Duchesne now that cost trading P.K. Subban in his nine million dollar cap hit to New Jersey but Matt Duchesne signs the seven-year deal on July the first so in theory that more up-tempo that more one-two punch they thought they had with Johansson and Turris they now seemingly definitely will get with Johansson and Duchesne. So to me, good to see over these past few months what could be errors, what could be issues. Again, we'll see you know, how the pieces being put together work to solve those problems. 
but good to see Predators management, you know, be able to deliver those things. That that's at least the three that have stuck out for me over these last few months of the off season. Something else for me, don't overlook the affiliation agreement with the Florida Everblades. Yeah. One, amazing name. Two, one of the ECHL's most outstanding franchises of all time. They've made the playoffs in like 20 of the last 21 years, won a number of championships. And although they are not going to be the primary developmental affiliate, that's of course the Admirals in Milwaukee and the AHL, but to have an affiliation agreement with a team like the Everblades that only strengthens your organization. Mm-hmm. And every once in a while, guys will start off in the ECHL, make their way up to the AHL, and you could play in the NHL. Freddie Goudreau is a guy who was played in the ECHL before. And it's, you know, whether or not anyone comes from that organization this year or in the following years, you at least want a good organization who can continue that winning pedigree and and just have a spot for your prospects to go if you don't necessarily have room for them at the AHL level well you're getting a pretty darn good organization in the ECHL with the Florida Everblades so I think that affiliation uh, agreement that was big for me and then you want to talk about the prospects too Mm -hmm. getting Rob Scuderi, Sebastian Bordalo, and David Rook all of them on full-time David Rook had been with the organization for five years in a goaltending consultant role Uh, but he is hired as the goaltending development coach Rob Scuderi is hired as a defense development coach and Sebastian Bordalo as a forward development coach. And Sebastian Bordalo and Rob Scuderi, both former NHLers, Bordalo an original Pred, mm-hmm. and Rob Scuderi a two-time, two-time Stanley winning, yeah. Cup champion, uh, once with Pittsburgh, once with Los Angeles. And you've, you've got to have voices there for those younger guys. We know that Scott Nickel filled that role for a long time. He's now kind of graduated uh, to a, a GM position with the Milwaukee Admirals and director of player development still, but he's got kind of those understudies, if you will, now that can have more constant communication with the forwards, the defensemen, the goaltenders, and guys like that I think are such unsung heroes mm-hmm. in situations like this in keeping in contact with your top prospects throughout the season, whether they're in juniors or in college making sure things are going well. Do they have questions about the organization? Are there things on the ice, off the ice that they need help with? Because guys, especially like Scuderi and Bordalo, they've been through it all. There's nothing that they haven't seen. Mm -hmm. And they can most certainly relate to guys like this. And when you've got guys coming up through your system, you need veteran voices like that. So they're not going to be first in the headlines. They're not going to get a lot of the credit. But really, again, some unsung heroes I think that the Predators are able to bring on this summer. I think that'll do a really good job as the Predators look to restock that cupboard as well. When you get those guys in there, you've got really good voices to help them along the way. It's something that won't be fixed overnight, but whereas a lot of analysts would pick the Preds as a top 10 team in the NHL, a lot of rankings for their prospect pool would probably be in the 20s, -hmm. to to be candid. Um, And that's something that Predators management has owned up to in saying, as we've tried to make these deeper playoff runs the last three to five years, we've borrowed a first-round pick. We've borrowed a top prospect in these trade deadline deals, for example. And so because of that, you know, we're a little bit lighter and weaker than we have been. So don't don't forget about the eight players they just added to that pool uh, at the draft in Vancouver in June, Philip Tomasino being the first-round pick. We got to see him score a goal, of course, at the Future Stars game in Antioch. So that was pretty cool. And then earlier in June, the trade for Connor Ingram from the Tampa Bay Lightning system, yeah. that's another 
potentially weak point for the Preds. Rene Saros, a great tandem. Grosnick likely the third guy, but who is that fourth guy and who's pushing Grosnick to be that third guy? Looks like it'll be Connor Ingram. He's had some ups and downs at this early point in his career, but the talent seems to be there. So if you have a guy like that pushing up in your system to maybe even be the starter in Milwaukee potentially, I think that's key. That's an under-the-radar move that really helps that prospect pool as well. To get him for a seventh-round yeah. pick in the 2021 NHL draft, that that could pay dividends down the road in, in short order. Uh, we've still got a little bit more to recap as we kind of wrap up the summertime here. We want to make sure everything's fresh in your mind so you can head into the season with a clear conscience and say, yes, <laughs> I do remember when that happened last summer. We will be back to conclude our summertime recap, at least, right here on the Preds Official Podcast on ESPN 1025 The Game. The boys of summer, Thomas, they're gone. They're leaving. Where'd they go? (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? Miss you, boys. They'll be back next year. Okay, good. It's the Preds Official Podcast on ESPN 1025 The Game. Brooks Bratton and Thomas Willis back alongside we got to make room for the boys of fall and winter because they're coming back to nashville Mm. boys of winter good book about the miracle on ice 1980 i've read it oh yeah okay there you go there you go that that one's for free guys (laughs) for some fall reading that one's for free it is back to school time all you kids out there get your books out (laughs) do some light reading Write that down in your copy Write books now. Write that down in your copy books now. Uh, we wanted to continue. Good for you if you got that reference. <laughs> yeah, that would be impressive. We wanted to continue our off-season recap. Knowing me, I jumped the gun. And, of course, I've already talked about Matt Duchesne <laughs> in the previous segment. But, ah. Eager McBeaver. Let's talk about uh, the road we walked with the RFA and the arbitration process, though. Because we saw it work out um, each of the two ways that it usually does. Colton Sisson's avoiding arbitration, signing a long-term deal. Rocco Grimaldi going through the process. The end result, as we said all along, both of them will be playing for the Preds in the 1920 season, but they go about it very different ways, and it leads to maybe different circumstances going into the season as well. You guys were worried they weren't coming back. I'd hope, <laughs> I hope. I would like to think that one person listened to an episode and was like, oh, they actually are going to play for the team next year. It's not as if they've already shipped out of town because they filed for arbitration. We made one of you feel better. I I only asked for one. You know, I only asked for one. That's all you can do right (laughs) now. Through 50 episodes, we made one person (laughs) feel better. Yeah. No, so yeah, you're right. The the Colton Sissons deal, they settled before arbitration, and it was, I don't know that any of us were expecting a seven-year, 20-million contract, but we're thrilled with it. It carries through the 2025-26 season. And we talked to Colton about it on this very program. Mm -hmm. And he said, I knew that if I had the chance to stay in Nashville long term, I was going to do so. And that's exactly what they did. And Thomas, I would argue that there is not a more versatile player on this roster who you can put in just about any situation and know that he's going to do a good job. That's Colton Sissons. Colton, to me, is one of those players that actually does follow the often assumed trend of oh, he did this? He'll be better next year. He'll be better every year of his professional career, effectively. He is added to his stats. He's added to his playing time. He's added to his abilities. I often find that that's a pitfall. Like, right, you see a guy, he had 15 goals. Well, clearly he'll have 20 next year, and you kind of assume that that growth will always happen, and it doesn't. Mm -hmm. It has for Colton Sissons, and I think that's why you see the long-term deal. 
I'll be really curious to see where he slots in on the lineup because mm-hmm. we know he's a really good face-off man, but he might not even take any face-offs. I know. Or, or I, I should rephrase that. He may not primarily be primarily yeah. a center yeah. on a set line. He will probably still be out there on the penalty kill and in key situations late in games yeah. taking face-offs because he's really good at it. But he's also more than capable of playing on the wing, which is where he may end up starting this season. Right. He might be the Preds' best face-off man. So then it's a little tough. Does he play wing but take face-offs? Mm-hmm. You, of course, can do that as well. I'll be curious to see how tempted Peter Laviolette is to reunite the Sissons-Watson-Benino line mm-hmm. that two years ago was so good, particularly in the first round against the Avalanche. On the one side, that was two years ago. You know, the players have changed. Things are different. So maybe that's not the case. Does he put Colton Sisson at a third-line center, for example? And I've theorized, like, depending on what you do with Kyle Turris and Craig Smith on the right wing, you know, could he be playing with a Craig Smith and a Cali can actually be asked to contribute some more scoring as well? I think, like you said, he has the versatility to be able to do that. I think one other thing with Colton, too, that David Poyle made sure to mention in the release is Colton's leadership ability. Yeah. And we talked to him about that as well. And I don't know that really anyone in the Predators leadership group is going anywhere anytime soon. A lot of guys on long-term deals, of course, Roman Yossi is a priority Mm -hmm. to get him a new contract. Um, But Ryan Johansson's on a long-term deal. Ryan Ellis is on a long-term deal. Philip Forsberg, Matias Ekholm, they've still got some years left as well. But in Colton's case, and I think he's already shown a little bit of this, you don't need to wear a letter to be a great leader. Yeah. You can still be looked to as one of those voices in the locker room. And he's been a captain at many points throughout his career already on different teams. So don't overlook Colton's leadership ability as he gets into some of the later years of this deal that the Predators already are. And I think they will really continue to look to him as a voice in that locker room to help them through the tough times and the good times as well. And then finally, just a few short weeks ago, August, traditionally the slowest hockey month, that is when Rocco Grimaldi signs a one-year deal. That ruling, that number, that contract term handed down by an independent arbiter. And so we do see Grimaldi go through the arbitration process. And so he talked about it on this very program saying, you know, it it was difficult. I mean, there were things that you don't want to hear because, again, one side arguing for the price to be lower, he and his agent arguing for it to be higher, really liked what he said about assistant GM Brian Poyle calling Rocco in the middle of the process and saying, hey, this is how it has to go, but we love you. We care about you. We want you to be on this roster. Like, don't Mm -hmm. misconstrue that. So, yes, even though the end result, maybe you can be a bit flippant and be like, yes, Sissons Grimaldi, they're with the Preds again, but interesting to see the different roads that they went. And we'll see with Rocco. I think the sky's really the limit with him. I mean, could he maintain a third or fourth line role? I think that's likely. Or is he able to capture some of that magic he had in the first round of the playoffs and play an even higher role in the lineup, get more minutes? He has not done that yet in his career, but I think this last season he did things that he's never done before during his years in the NHL. Are we about to see a turning point for Rucker Malden? Totally possible. In no way are they stylistically the same, but I think of one of my favorite Pred players to watch over the years in Joel Ward, a guy that seemed like his time was done. I mean, he was getting to his later 20s. He'd been around for a long time. He's traditionally a minor league guy and just comes out of nowhere and puts together some phenomenal years with the Preds, especially in that playoff series against the Ducks and the Canucks in 2011, and then goes on, signs a big deal with the Capitals, has a great career. 
Could that be Rocco Grimaldi's future? I think it's certainly possible because it seems like he's turned some kind of corner um, and has been able to deliver in that. And then finally, off the ice, the new scoreboard, we won't talk about that because we've hit it over <laughs> the head a thousand times, but some other improvements and changes. Sean Henry, Pred CEO and President, talked about that on a previous episode if you want to hear about that in more detail. But a couple things we wanted to mention so that when you walk through the doors for that first preseason game on September the 16th, you're not surprised. Yeah, something brand new that's actually just coming online here and will be fully operational uh, as the month of September begins. And then, as you said, that first preseason game and moving forward. So we now have x-ray machines at Bridgestone Arena. So they're kind of being soft tested right now. They'll be fully operational uh, in September. And then, of course, as you said, for that first preseason game and moving forward, these are for your bags. You're already walking through uh, metal detectors when you go to the arena as a, a safety measure, of course. But if you choose to bring a bag now, the ideal scenario is that you either don't bring a bag, it's a clear bag, or it's a clutch. Mm-hmm. And you can find more information about this on naturalpredators.com. It's a handy-dandy little article written by yours truly that kind of goes over what you can and cannot bring. And again, ideally, you're not bringing anything. Yeah. If you do need That's to bring a bag. the express lane option if you yeah, do that. 12 by 12 by 6, a clear bag or one of those little clutch for the ladies, if you do need to bring a bag that is not clear, and again, still has to fit into those size mm-hmm. requirements, but it will go through the x-ray machine. This is for the security and the ease of all fans. If you don't have a bag, you're going right through the express line. But even if you do have a bag, these x-ray re- machines are actually going to speed things up because you don't have someone rummaging around in your bag. You slide yeah. it right through like you do at the airport. You're in, you're out, you're good to go. So again, in today's times, just another security measure to make it fan friendly mm-hmm. and, and get you in there safely in a, in a timely fashion as well to that end i would be remiss if i did not mention the brand new bridgestonearena.com that launched yeah. this week so you can also find out more details about those improvements and changes that you were just going over so yeah check it out it's uh it's a good looking site all kinds of fun things. Yeah, all kinds of fun things let's continue this conversation into the next segment where we answer your twitter questions on some off-season changes and looking ahead to the 1920 season. That's all ahead on the Preds Official Podcast on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Preds Official Podcast on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Thomas Willis, Brooks Braddon, both of us of NashvillePredators.com. Back alongside you for the fourth and final segment, Josh Upton, our producer. Brooks, let's go ahead and dive into these Twitter questions in just a moment. You use hashtag Preds podcast to ask us questions on this show. But first, a giveaway. So we're getting some new carpet at Bridgestone Arena. <laughs> I was going to wonder if you're going to provide the context on this. I'm and wondering. as a result, lots of folks are cleaning out their desks. You know they say one man's trash is another man's treasure. There's been some great stuff on the free table. We have a free table. You put it there. It's, again, it's kind of like lost and found, but yeah, nobody really lost it. You're just finding it. So I've been like, what can we give away on the pod? Uh, I don't know. I think this is cool. Hopefully someone out there will want this. It is a hard hat, a gold hard hat. Mm. It's, I think it's pretty legit. I'm not one who wears hard hats often, yeah. but it looks legit to me. Fred's logo on one side. Fred's Pritz- gold, of course, overall. Fred's gold. Pritzstone Arena logo on the other side. So 
If anyone wants a hard hat, we got one. That's the season we're in right now. Installation of a new scoreboard, Fordyce Center Bellevue opening in a few weeks. There's a lot of construction going on. There was also like one of those neon construction vests. Yeah, that felt a little weird to me. Which I'm like, can you you just take that and put it on? Like go walk out in the middle of the road and pretend to direct direct traffic. There's a scene from the sitcom How I Met Your Mother where Marshall puts out things from the apartment like on the street. They live in New York, like just outside and just like magically disappears almost as soon as you put it out there that's what the free table is it's like if you don't know be careful like if you happen yeah. to leave your lunch there for a few moments and turn around yeah it's gone and if anyone wants so. if anyone wants a lapel pin hit me up i'm not kidding there are thousands right. of lapel pins there. i i'm sure i too will have a variety of items to give away once i clean out my desk as well i gave away my bobbleheads to a coworker just because i was like yeah. you know what yeah. It's time to give these to a better home. I'm realizing I've got a lot of crap. I still don't know that I want to get rid of any of right. it. I've got a lot of it, though. In honor of this being our 50th episode, simply use hashtag Preds Podcast on Twitter and tell us your favorite guest from the past 50 episodes. It's a little bit of market research and a little bit of just, <laughs> uh, you know, kind of reminiscing on the half a century of episodes yeah. that we've put together so far for you. And that's for the hard hat. That's for the hard hat. Yes. Do that and you get the hard hat. The other reason that you use hashtag Preds Podcast is for Twitter questions. Like I talked about a moment earlier, Nick asked, give us your opening night lineup predictions. I'm a bit on the record with this, so mm-hmm. I'll follow you. What's your call? Yep. I, well, so for me, I think something that is going to be fascinating to watch in training camp is who is that Rocco Grimaldi of this year. Maybe the guy who gets sent down last. On the contrary, who is that final player? to make that opening night roster, or at least that 23-man roster. Um, I think that's what I'm going to be watching for very closely. Freddie Goudreau is one who is in the final year of his deal. Is Freddie a guy that the Predators say, hey, we want you up here? And correct me if I'm wrong on this, his deal turns into a one-way deal this year. Mm -hmm. So if the Predators do not elect to keep him on the opening night roster, Perhaps he's not with the Predators mm-hmm. much longer mm-hmm. if he if he uh, gets stuck on waivers. Yeah, so I, I think the main thing to consider is the number's 23. That's the limit on the roster for that opening night. That's the number of people that you can have. If a Preds player becomes injured in this interim time leading up to that point, if you're on injured reserve, that does not count against the 23. Of course, we don't want that to happen, but you know it happens a lot. It's not only possible, it might even be likely. But that being said, it seems like the Preds, of course, will keep two goaltenders in Rene and Soros. Mm-hmm. It certainly looks like they'll keep eight defensemen if I were a betting man. At least seven and likely eight. So also they've traditionally kept they've traditionally eight. Traditionally kept eight. Um, I would assume, you know, that's gonna be toward the bottom. We all know the top four, but that's a Dan Ham use, a matter or a Yannick Weber, a Steve Santini. And so as soon as you do eight, that's, of course, 10 out of your 23. So you're only allowed to keep 13 forwards. So that would only be one extra forward because you need, of course, 12 to play across the four lines. So because of that, again, just one more clarity back on the Freddie Goudreau point. One way, two way, none of that that matters as to the waivers process. It just Mm -hmm. simply means how much you get paid, whether you're in Milwaukee or whether you're in Nashville. Um, not not that you were implying that, but I know that's something we you know need to correct a lot of times. But my, confirming that it, it does turn into yeah, a one way deal this it, season, yeah, definitely does. And, and then my point of bringing that up is there are going to be several NHL ish level forwards that are going to have to either go somewhere, be put on put on waivers, traded, whatever it is, yeah. to get down to that thirteen forward limit. And so because of that, that immediately eliminates at least again in our mind as we're forecasting here. 
Ellie Tolvin in, Rem Pitlick. Sure. Like, like those guys, I, I'm not even considering those. I'm okay. talking about Freddie Goudreau, Mika Salamaki, Daniel, Daniel Carr. Daniel is a big one for like, me. What, is, what yeah. does Daniel Carr do? Because David Poyle has said that he believes Daniel Carr, and Daniel Carr's played in the NHL before, of course, but he yeah. believes that the reigning AHL MVP can and quite possibly should play in the NHL this season for the Predators. Is he there on opening night? Precisely. So you have to choose two of those three to go somewhere else. Like They don't fit, assuming, of course, again, the injury status and then the fact that all these guys who have been regular players for the Preds continue to be that, which, again, I would bet on it. Again, Rocco Grimaldi is a third or fourth line player, and we certainly think he will make it, but maybe he won't. But I'm just saying that that 12 or 13 guys that we've kind of carved out at forward – they're, they're pretty legit. I mean, they've played in the NHL before. Um, so I will say this. If you're like, oh, no, we got to get rid of these guys. Basically, every other NHL team will be going through something very similar. So you saw it even last year with Rocco Grimaldi to continue that example. Because the health is still there generally for most teams and because they're going through very similar process. Maybe they're slipping a guy down to the to the minors or he's going through waivers for them you won't necessarily see the claiming that you might see in a January or a February like we saw with Anthony Boteto, for example, when the Preds did not want to lose him, but due to a roster limit crunch had to put him on waivers in theory getting him to Milwaukee, he gets claimed by the Minnesota Wild. I, I don't want to say it's impossible, but it is a bit unlikely that you could see that a guy gets put on waivers. I think he could still make it. So you could potentially see a Salamaki or a Goudreau, someone like that, get put on waivers, and still get put on down to the minors lineup. And again, one one more clarifying point, the rules have changed. Reentry waivers used to be a thing. They're not anymore. So if you clear that process once, the Preds, in theory, then could recall a Salamaki when needed based on an injury and not worry about losing him again. It would just then be later on if they had to repeat yeah. that same process. So we're going to say that a lot over the next few weeks as we watch these training yeah. camp battles. But at least in my years of experience, I feel like that's something – you and I as analysts and hosts and that sort of thing communicate a lot, and then it still kind of seems to surprise the fans, the readers, the end users. They're like, oh, like there's actually two or three guys on the NHL roster that have to be you know, taken care of or put somewhere or we're going to get put um, in another place because of that roster crunch. Mm-hmm. Not even considering, like I said earlier, the Tolvanins and the Pitlicks. So, yeah, yeah I think that's <laughs> that was a really long answer for a forecast, but... I would go 13 forwards, i go 8 defensemen, i go go 2 goaltenders, and looks like at least the top 10 or 11 forwards, and then most of the D is pretty solidified. The question becomes, like you said, Carr, Goudreau, Salamaki, I'll even put Grimaldi in there. We will see. Max wanted to know, how do you guys think the starts will be split between Yusei Saros and Pecorine for this season? So... I think we've kind of forecasted this, and remember, Pekka is entering the first year of that new two-year mm-hmm. deal he signed back on his birthday last November. In each of the last four regular seasons, Pekka has seen his games played uh, total slowly, ever so slightly decrease. So he's gone in the last four seasons from 66 games played, 61 games played, to 59, and then 56 mm-hmm. last season. Does he get below 55 this season? I think that's quite possible. Yes. But I don't, I'm not going to say, yes, Pekka is only going to play 50 games and you say we'll play 32. Right. But I think in an ideal world, 
maybe you are getting him a little rest. Now, we've always we always say this on the program too. Nobody wants to play more than packs, mm-hmm. right? So it's finding that balance and this is going to be a theme for him over these next couple of years of this contract and then if there is time after that, however long he continues to play, mm-hmm. is how does he balance that competitive fire with what his body is telling him? And does he need an extra game off? Is he still going to feel the same about his game physically and mentally if he does take that extra game? Mm-hmm. On, at the same time, of course, Juice wants to play as well, mm-hmm. but he understands his role, and they've got a really good working relationship. I think that helps yeah. a lot is how well they get along. But do we see a 50-32, yeah. 52-30? I think that's quite possible. Yeah, I don't see Pekka getting under 50 games, assuming health. I, I don't think we're to that point because I still think he is the playoff starter, again, uh, assuming the season goes similarly to the way it's been in the past. I, I apologize for not knowing this number off the top of my head. I want to say it's 11 or 12 back-to-back sets of games for the Preds this coming season. I think much like we've seen the last few years, immediately UC Soros takes the second half of those back-to-backs just about every time. So so that gets him up to the 10, the 12 number. And then, yeah, does he get up as many as 20, 20 20-plus? I I would think so. And I think that's – we've started to see when it's like three three games in a week, especially when it's four games in a week, you'll see Pekka play three, UC play one. And we've started to even see, again, in this transition over the last year or two that you were talking about – when it's three games in a week, maybe it's pack on Tuesday and Thursday, Saros on Saturday. I mean, something, just something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's how you get up to that twenty twenty five range. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if, even if it's not this season, if it's next season or, or beyond. You know, depending on what the standing is down the stretch mm-hmm. in the regular season, does it even turn into an alternating situation at some point? Yeah, I yeah. don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. Right. So, like you said, Rene signed for the next two years, and I say this as one of the, one of the biggest Pecorine fans in the world, that you need to start telling yourself these are probably the last two years of Pecorine. He he has said that on the record, that he, he signed the two-year deal, he's going to play through that, and again, he's not said the word retirement yeah. by any means, but it has kind of said, hey, I'm 37 years old, I'm looking at these two years as kind of the two years that I have. So you're right, to that point, in that second year, do you see it get even more even? I, I think it's I think it's quite possible. Jason wants to know who are some lesser-known guys we should keep an eye on at the prospect game. So he's, of course, referring to the NHL Prospect Showcase coming up this coming weekend after Labor Day. All games at Fordyce Center Antioch and all games streamed on NationalPredators.com. So (laughs) there it is. (laughs) There it is. So four players on this Nashville roster, Rem Pitlick, Ellie Tolvin, and Anthony Richard, and uh, Dante Fabro. And then Alex Carrier, if you want to add him in. So five guys on this roster have NHL experience. We'll say that those are not the lesser-known guys, okay? Yeah. So, one, I'm a big Matthew Olivier fan. Mm-hmm. and Signed I, a two-year deal. Signed a two-year deal, um, an entry-level deal. He uh, had a great season, his rookie season in Milwaukee last year. Uh, had 91 penalty minutes, too. He's not afraid to drop the gloves. He's a physical player. He has all the makings of a fan favorite type guy. He would be someone that I would keep an eye on. I don't. You can go back to the opening night question, the the roster question. I don't know that I'm saying like he's going to come up and and challenge for a spot. He could, um, but I, he's someone that I've always enjoyed as a player watching him over the last couple of years mm-hmm. uh, in this organization. So he's someone I would keep an eye on. Um, I think Lucas Craggs and Josh Wilkins are two other guys, two uh, collegiate products. 
that have recently signed with the Predators, uh, Lucas Craggs from Bowling Green, Josh Wilkins from Providence. Um, they both signed deals last April. Those are two to keep an eye on for me Yeah, um, to see where they end up, how they show in a setting like this with other players um, who are at their skill level and and what they look like in, in that setting. I'll be curious to see to see those guys as well. And then one more if I can. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just there's so many on the roster, so many options. Jeremy Davies, and we kinda talked about him. Right. That's a at, great call. Um at development camp. Came over in the PK Subban deal from New Jersey. Potentially one of the biggest pieces in the PK. Potentially, deal. yes. And an underrated acquisition in mm-hmm. that PK Subban deal. And I lied one more Connor Ingram, the goaltender, um, who came over from Tampa Bay. He's one to watch out for for me, another one. He's challenged for the starting job in Milwaukee this season, but he's a young goaltender with a lot of potential. Finally, two more questions. Nick says, what's the best method to convince my wife we need to do a home-and-home road trip for Valentine's weekend? And also, what's the best way for a non-viewing area fan to get single-game tickets to division games? The second one's very easy, dashboards.com slash tickets. Um, There's a slew of in-division games that are not locked or anything like that. Those that are are available in the nine-game mini plan presented by Dr. Pepper. But I was just going through the Wild, the Jets, so some great games out there. Again, just purchase. (laughs) Purchase and go. That's pretty easy. Uh, The first part's not too difficult in my mind either. You simply say to your wife, love is a commitment, not a feeling. I think we all know that for those of us who are in (laughs) long-term relationships. And I think that goes one of two ways. A, her commitment to you, and then B, your mutual commitment to the Nashville Predators. And then you celebrate each other on a Valentine's Day weekend in Smashville. I mean, what what could be better, honestly? I mean, Nashville, Cupid Nash will be there. Maybe that's another angle that you approach it. Cupid Nash. You say that and then purchase Nash's um, Valentine's Day package where he delivers like donuts and flowers and shows up to her work. It would be fantastic. So, not a bad idea. Yeah. I don't Cupid ha- Nash. I don't have firsthand experience in this, but my dad has a jeweler friend in Atlanta who has billboards that simply say, happy wife, happy life. Exactly. So I've got to think that's something. Yes, words words to live by. Yeah, just buy her some diamonds as well. <laughs> leave, leave, <laughs> wow, that, leave, leave that in her seat for, <laughs> for the game. Uh, and then finally, I Will, love this one. Will says, in honor of the 50th episode, out of the 50 states you've never been to, which would you like to go to? And then he mentions he's <laughs> held on to this question for weeks. That's a loyal listener right there. We appreciate that. So we actually talked about this before we left the office, and I think we all came to the conclusion that we really haven't hit the Pacific Northwest. Pacific Northwest, yes. So I, like, I've been to a lot of states, I feel mm-hmm. like. Like Texas, California, Florida, like those are kind of destinations. New York, east of the Mississippi, I feel pretty good. Yeah, but yeah, but west, yeah, Washington State, Oregon, yeah. never been to those. Which we'll get to go with Seattle, Seattle, That's Portland. Exciting. I've heard is amazing. I think just like to go to Montana, get lost in Montana, like like Al City, right? I mean, I've always heard that like seeing Mount Rushmore is kind of not worth it because it's like the only <laughs> thing to do in the Dakotas. <laughs> Apologies to the Mount Rushmore Tourism Committee listening. <laughs> Sorry about that. But I, I've heard that's an option, too. But, yeah, I, I think that'd be worth it. And then I have, of course, been to Arizona, but not the Grand Canyon. I would love to, mm. I'd love to do that as well. Yeah, the PNW, yes, as, the, they, the as they refer to it. For Brooks Braddon, follow him on Twitter, Instagram, and Apple Music, at Brooks Braddon. I'm Tom A. Willis on Twitter. Follow at Preds NHL across all social media for the best Preds content. First, you can also hear more about this show on that very location. Go to nationalpreds.com slash podcast to listen to past episodes, rate and subscribe for us there. We truly appreciate it. This has been episode five zero, number 50 of the Preds official podcast. Summer is over. Hockey. It's coming.